Good evening. It's good to see everyone back tonight. Thank you for being here. We, as always, have visitors among us, and we're so thankful every time that you are able to be with us, and we invite you back in any opportunity you might have in the future. As we made mention this morning, we have a number of folks who are uh, out of town, many of, of whom are up in the Sevierville area at the, the uh, Polishing the Pulpit, and several of them will be up there uh, the remainder of this week. Uh, Brother Joel and his family are there, and that's why I'm here uh, before you tonight. I always look forward to opportunities to speak and uh, consider it a privilege, especially here at this one, our wonderful home congregation. Tonight we want to uh, consider together the God we serve. The God of heaven has revealed himself to us primarily through his word and also through creation. If you have your Old Testaments, turn to the book of Psalm 19. Familiar passage, Psalm 19. The nature, nature declares the handiwork of God, the psalmist there says. And he goes on to talk about how that really, to paraphrase it, the, the creation shouts out, there is a God. And he is a wonderful, magnificent God. You can't think of processes that are in the natural world, in the human body, in other places that you, it's, it would be hard, for me at least, to consider that without a creator, without a grand designer, without a wonderful mind behind those things. But yet we know there are critical folks in our world who would say otherwise. But I, I believe that we, as what I consider to be right-thinking people, can see that there is a God. We want to consider tonight this God that we serve. Turn your Bibles in chapter in the first chapter of Romans, over in the New Testament. Romans chapter 1, again, talking about the God we serve creator of this world. You know, as Paul begins his letter to the church there in Rome, he talks about this God because they came from a background of idolatry, a background that said there are many gods, little g gods, and that many people worship them in various ways. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 beginning, Paul, the inspired writer there, says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Continue there in verse number 22 or 21. Because although they knew God, talking about these people, they did not glorify him as God nor were thankful, but became futile in their own thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And he goes on there to talk about how they changed an incorruptible God and how they began worshiping things, inanimate objects, their own bodies, those sorts of things, all the evil that we can contemplate there that Paul speaks out against. God has revealed himself through creation. 
God has also revealed himself in his revelation to man. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. We appreciate Hebrews, and we, particularly chapter 11. We call it the Hall of Fame of Faith. But he starts out there in verse number 1, gives, giving us, uh, extolling the, the, the revelation and the, the knowledge that we can have of God. Verse 1 of Hebrews 11, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And he goes on to talk about how by faith all these greats of the past were able to do great things because they obeyed God by faith. But you know something? It was all because of God's word, wasn't it? They heard God's word and acted upon it. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The word of God. That's how our faith is built. That's how our faith is strengthened in this world is by our knowledge and our understanding of the word of God. Jesus would talk about, we won't talk, take the time to turn to it, but you can jot it down. John chapter 17, verse 3, talking about God, and he said to know, to know some of God's attributes is to respect him even more. The more we know about God and his attributes, we should develop a higher, greater, stronger respect for him as we live our lives. In this lesson tonight, I want to explore together some of God's attributes in order to gain a deeper appreciation for the God we serve. Let's look at James chapter 1. This is actually a series of lessons that I've uh, developed in, uh, in uh, tied around the book of, of James. And uh, this is uh, one that, uh, that I selected for tonight. But James chapter 1, verse 12, beginning. You know, James is one of those books that's very practical in nature. It's been called the gospel of practical Christian living. It's been called the Proverbs of the New Testament and all those kind of things. Just about every verse of James you can take on its own merits and apply it in your lives and be a better, stronger Christian from a practical living standpoint. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, he says, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. He talks there about in verse number, back in verse number five of James chapter one. If any of you lacks, lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives liberally to all without reproach and it will be given to him. If you really break that verse down, it says, let him ask of a giving God. Point number one in our lesson tonight, God is a giver. Again, there in James chapter 1, verse 5, 
let him ask of a giving God. God's nature is to be loving, giving, and forgiving. Think about one of the most uh, quoted verses in the New Testament, John chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son. God is a giver. He's been a giver from the very beginning. God has given to man Christ. He's given salvation. He's given peace and hope. Romans 6 and verse 23, another familiar passage. The wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, His Son. <laughs> Ephesians 1 and verse 3, familiar passage. We won't take the time to turn to it, but God has given us all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Can you think of anything any better than that? I can't, because God is a giver. This concept implies that God does not need man's gifts. Look at Acts chapter 17. God does not need our gifts, but yet he desires them because he knows that there's a benefit in it for us. You remember there in the context of John 17, Paul is there in, in Athens on Mars Hill, giving a discourse there before the smart people of the day the philosophers, the, the wise men, so to speak. He noticed as he walked around the city, he noticed all these memorials, if you will, idols, if you will, to, to God, various gods that they served. But in case they forgot one, they had designated one to the unknown God. Paul says, that's the one I want to tell you about. That's the one that matters. That's the one that's a giver. That's the God of heaven. Look at verse 25, Acts 17, 25. Let's back up to verse 24. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Man's service to God is for man's own good. It's not for God's good. I'm sure God appreciates it and recognizes it and all that, but really it was designed for us to recognize that, we're, that we serve a great and powerful and awesome God. And we need to humble ourselves in his presence and realize that he is God and we are not. It's the idea that, that Jesus gave when he was face to face with the, the devil. Matthew chapter 4, you remember? Soon after Jesus was baptized, beginning his earthly ministry there, the devil comes face to face. Offers him all these things, offers him the world if he would just bow down and serve him. Jesus basically said, it's God who you should serve. It's God who you must serve and worship Him. It's not all these things. You know, we read there in James chapter 1, verse 16, the text says, be not deceived, brethren. King James renders that word, err. Do not err, brethren. 
everything that God tells man to do is for man's own good. Don't be deceived by other things. Don't be deceived by what the world tells you or your friends tell you in, in that regard. Everything that God tells a man to leave alone is also for man's good. Have you ever thought about that? You know, Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, this is recorded in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, he catalogs there all the works of the flesh, all those things that God says, don't be involved with those things because they're not good for you. God tells us those things that, will, that are, are for our good, and he also tells us things that we should avoid. So our God is a giver. Point number two in our lesson tonight, God is unchanging. Look there again in James chapter 1, verse number 17. God is unchanging. Every good and every perfect gift comes from, is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That's New King James. Some of the newer translations render that there's no shadow due to change. No shadow due to change. God doesn't change. He's an unchanging God. You know, we need to appreciate that. We need to be thankful that God doesn't change. He's just, he doesn't operate on whims. He doesn't operate by popular opinion and all those kind of things. We need that in this world, don't we? We need stability. We need the security for living, knowing that there are things that don't change. I'm thankful that God is unchanging. God's love for man doesn't change. Look at Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 38, beginning, the inspired apostle there, again, writing to Christians in first century Rome. He says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love for us doesn't change. And you know something? It doesn't change based on our behavior. It's constant. God's love is constant for us. We may, we may fall away. We may take a path of sin. But you know something? God's love is unchanging for us. He is still there, just like that beautiful passage that Jesus tells about. We call it the story of the prodigal son. The father, even though his money has been spent, squandered, wasted by his son, his love for him never changed. He stood, stood there waiting, watching for him to come back. That's the kind of God that we serve. God's love doesn't change. God's justice doesn't change. Turn back a few pages in Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. <clears throat> Verse number 1. 
Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. Look at verse 11. For there is no partiality with God. What does that word partiality mean? Prejudice, oftentimes. Favoritism. All those sorts of things. God is no respecter of persons, we like to say. He loves everyone the same. But yet, he's going to punish unrighteousness. That's the nature of God. If he didn't punish unrighteousness, he wouldn't be God. I wish that's a, that's a concept that the world today could get. Because they're under this false notion that God is a loving God. He's not going to condemn anybody. Yes, that's the nature of God. But yes, he's going to condemn folks if they're not following his word, his instructions. You know, God's demands of men have not changed. Men have always had to believe in God. We made mention earlier of Roman, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 11. Well, in verse 6, you know the passage. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because we have to have a knowledge of God. We have, there are certain things that we need to know about God. Again, they come through His Word. Men have always had to believe in God. Men have always had to obey God. If, you have, if you're there in Hebrews or close to it, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Men have always had to obey God, even in all dispensations of time. God's Word was always present and God, man always had obligation to God's word. Hebrews 10, verse number 26. He says, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose he will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Again, the Lord will judge his people, and it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. We need to remember that God is a loving God. God is a giving God. God is an unchanging God, but God is also a God of righteousness that demands that he punish disobedience. Another aspect of the unchanging God is that his kingdom cannot be moved. Turn over a page there in Hebrews chapter 12. His kingdom cannot be moved. Hebrew writer says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. We need to be thankful that we are part of a kingdom that is unchanging. It cannot be moved. You know, a lot of, a lot of attacks have come upon the church and continue, and I suspect will continue. But yet God has promised us that his kingdom 
cannot be moved. So we talked about how God being a giver, how God is unchanging. Point number three we want to consider tonight, God created man for a purpose. Again, we reference back to James 1 and 17 about how God, all the good and perfect gifts come down to the, to, from God, the Father of lights, who has given. Man must have a purpose for living in order to have a purposeful life. That may seem to be oversimplified, but man must have a purpose for living to have a purposeful life. The man we know as Solomon had it all. Everything that his heart desired and more, he had. But you know, towards the end of his life, he summed it all up, the whole meaning of life, so to speak, that so many people contemplate and chase today. It's recorded in a very familiar passage, Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, Solomon says. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. In other words, that's man's purpose. The man, man's purpose is to fear God and to keep his commandments. That's how we'll live a productive life. That's how we'll live a purpose-filled life. That's how we'll live a life that's pleasing to God. You know, Jesus promised us an abundant life. I believe we can have an abundant life here in this sin-filled, sin-cursed world if we fear God and keep his commandments. He makes reference there of a Christian being a kind, first, kind of first fruits of God's creation. A Christian is a creation of God. Look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. A Christian is a creation of God. Second Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We've talked about this before. We like new things, don't we? Well, the concept of when we become a Christian, God creates, it makes a new creation. We are no longer a slave of sin. We don't have to fear Death. We don't have to fear destruction. We don't have to fear God's wrath and all those things. We have a new hope. We have a new home. We have a new family and all the things that go along with that. But you know something? No creature in all God's creation is like a Christian. God created us with the ability to choose. You know, the animal world, the plant world, the planets and stars and all those things don't have a choice in what they do because they do exactly what God designed them to do but men are different but God wants us to choose him that's how we are blessed God takes a sinful man and makes a new man out of him the Christian does all to God's glory so we talked about how this God that we serve, he's a giver. He is unchanging. He created us with a purpose. Just those three short points, I think, should convince us 
that our God is an awesome God. There are much, there's much more in God's Word. There's much more that we could talk about in context of the God we serve. He has revealed Himself to us through His Word. How wonderful it is to know that this God we serve is a giver. God is unchanging, and He created us with a purpose. Well, in light of all that, what should our attitude toward God be? Look at James 1 and verse 22. James there says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, because if you, do, if you don't, you'll, be, you'll deceive yourself. The way one acts towards God and reacts to God's word is in reality the way he acts, reacts to God. Think about that for a moment. The way in which we react toward God's word is really the same way we react to God. James 1 and 19. He says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of God does not produce the righteous. The wrath, wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We have to have the proper attitude towards God and toward His Word. We need to appreciate the blessings that He provides for us. The one who hears and does God's Word is the one who will be blessed. Look at James 1.25. He says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. You know, that's the way it's been all, since creation, isn't it? That's got what God desires. You know, many people, many critics outside of Christianity look at it and say, oh, y'all just make it too hard. It's just too difficult a life to, to live a godly life. But all God desires of us is to, is to do his word, do his will. Be obedient to what he says. Does that mean we're going to have all roses and rainbows in this life? No. But it does mean that God will be with us. He'll continue to be with us. The unchanging, all-powerful, giving God will continue to be with us and bless us through whatever trials and difficulties we face in this life. We never know what we're going to face in this life before we leave this life, do we? But we can be assured that if we stick close to God, He will stick close to us and His love for us will not change. I hope that you've found this lesson to be useful. As we said, that it's oftentimes good to contemplate the God we serve. Oftentimes we take His blessings for granted, don't we? Oftentimes we fail to remember how great He is and how awesome a God that He is. Tonight, if you're here not a Christian, yes, you receive many of the blessings that God gives through His beneficence. Jesus said He makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. But the message of the gospel is one that compels us to tell you that there's more. Yes, there's more for you to do, but there are more blessings that you can enjoy as a Christian. 
than you ever could outside the body of Christ. And for one thing, you can have the hope of eternity. The hope of eternity in heaven with Christ and all the saved of all the ages. If you would believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, repenting your sins, that means to change your life. Stop serving and living for yourself and for Satan. Turn and live your life for God. Fear God and keep His commandments. This is the man, this is the whole of man. Confess the wonderful name of Christ, just like that eunuch there did in Acts chapter 8. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Continue to confess that every day as you live your life, in the way that you live. Showing the world and demonstrating to the world through your actions and your words, your manner of living, that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and I am living for Him. Be baptized in water, meeting the cleansing blood that washes away sin. Again, God, the giver, provided his son so that we don't have to fear his wrath. You may have done those things in times past, but you've wandered away. God is still an awesome God. His love for you is unchanging, and it continues even this very hour. If you're outside the body because of sin, please come home. Come back. Like that prodigal son, God the Father is still standing at the road waiting and watching, hastening your day of return. You can do that tonight if it's public in nature. We offer this invitation for anyone who, who needs it. If you'd make it known as we stand together and sing, encourage you. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you believe all a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's time. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you dare serve us for Jesus your King? There's power in the blood 
tar and the blood, words you live daily, his praises to sing. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lord. There is power, power, wonder working power in the precious blood of the Lord. Everybody be seated, please. Again, we're glad that you're here tonight. Thank you for being here, especially our visitors. We invite you back any opportunity you have. Just a few announcements before we leave. Continue to remember all those on our sick list. Continue to remember those who need our prayers. Getting some feedback, but I apologize for that. We want to add one person to our prayer list, Tyler Holliday. We were contacted by his uh, mother through our Facebook page. He's the grandson of Bill and Jan Jenkins. Many of you uh, may remember them from Red Bank. He is being deployed to Iran soon. He's in the military and has asked for our prayers. She made mention that Bill uh, baptized Tyler uh, back in, in 2017. So we, we want to remember Tyler Holliday as he's deployed very soon overseas. Again, remember all those on our sick and prayer list and those who need our, uh, our care and concern at this time. Um, remember those who are of our uh, family here who are away from us traveling, pray that they'll have a safe return back home uh, this week. Um, any additions to our sick or prayer list we need to make mention of? All right. We're going to begin a new series uh, on Wednesday night here in the auditorium. We're going to be studying in uh, the spiritual sword, one of the spiritual sword quarterlies. Uh, the topic is how we grow. And I've got uh, we've ordered books, and they're down here on the front pew. If you'd like to pick up one and study uh, the uh, first section there, we'll discuss that, study that, Lord willing, this coming Wednesday night here in the auditorium. Um, remember the directory that we recently kicked off, and we're looking forward to having everybody that wants to be part of our online directory. If, you're, if you don't want to be on, online, that's fine. You just uh, leave the box there on the form unchecked. But we want your information anyway to keep our records here, uh, our paper uh, records here up to date so that everyone has your most current uh, email address and phone number and those sorts of things. So if you'd help us with that, uh, we much, would much appreciate it. Those are on the table in the foyer, and you can leave them there in that basket once you complete them. Continue to remember the young Grant Majors, who's be turning 13 uh, next week, has asked for uh, funny birthday cards, and there's a basket back there on the table. If you could bring uh, one of those and place it in that, it will be delivered to him. Remember our clothing gather what, get, getaway, if I could give away, if I could talk, uh, a week from tomorrow over here in, in the, the former classroom at the end of the, the uh, education hall. Uh, we appreciate so much those who are heading that up and those who have helped in so many ways. If you can help or want to help in that with that anyway, see Santana or Sandra Grove. I think that's all the announcements. If, unless someone has something else, we will uh, stand for our closing song, closing prayer. If you haven't had the opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper, it remains prepared in adult classroom number one. If you want to exit the auditorium at this time and go over there, uh, you'll be served. Must be standing.
508. 508. Our day of praise is done, the evening shadows fall, but pass not from us with the sun to light that light is dawn. 